We're continuing where we left off in our study with uh, the thought of the week in prayer. It is November 17th, 2019. We'll continue with the thought of the week in prayer. Okay, thought of the week. In him, and through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. It, um, <clears throat> we have an assent to God, which is conclusive, exclusive, I'm sorry. The assent is, that is access. related to the assent. Excuse me, my was okay. To the assent is related to our identity as sons. We have the glory of God, which attends our presence. I have given them the glory that you have given me, and that they may be as one as we are one. Take it from John chapter 17, verse 22. We are given everything in order that we may be true. Uh, one. The one is the squad. Me? That we may be in one. order that we may be at one. This oneness is described as the Father is in me, and I am the Father. It was John chapter ten verse thirty-one. This same oneness is extended to us as Jesus prayed that all of them may be as one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. John 17, verse 20. We have been brought into such an intimate relationship with God, which is exclusive to the Father. We have been brought into such an intimate relationship with God, which is exclusive to the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. We are adopted as sons. Married to the Lord of glory in a fashion which given us all the rights and privileges of children of God. Take it John 1, verse 12. 1 John 1, verse, chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. No creature, no, crea- no creature have been, has ever been attested to God. Access to God has always been limited to and never has any creature been able to share God's nature as the Godhead relate relationship in this way. This is not something we I'm sorry, we just think because my phone is acting crazy. This is something we combat, we we combat, but whatever coveted, coveted, as ever, coveted, as ever expected. It is the plan and purpose of God to bring this to be. We are simply the recipients of His grace, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in 
in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incurable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. So God has given all of this to us as the believers in Christ, that we can show his kindness, we can show what he has given us by his expression to us, and that he may want us to fulfill his wants that we need. So as the Father is in me and I am in him, and we share this through Christ, we have a sense of God through his holy his holiness to be at one as as, as he ordered us to be. So I'm taking this from the thought of the week as expressed to us through the from this from this date, November seventeenth, chapter um the year two thousand nineteen. Take it from John chapter fourteen. Thanks, Dave. Henry will uh, give us morning prayer. Go right ahead, Henry. Thank you. Dear uh, Father God, I thank you for waking me up today. Another day of life. You have given me another sunrise to enjoy. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful sounds of nature and cool breeze rushing through the trees, making the birds sing beautiful melodies. You are a great Father, Lord, always full of grace and mercy. I praise you, Father, for allowing me to live another beautiful day in your kingdom. Thank you for the gift of family and friends. Holding them in my heart is one of the most precious things I could never get tired of. Bless everyone, Father, for they deserve all the goodness you have given to me. If I may do something wrong today, please forgive me. I also thank you for always being the reason in my head and in my heart when it comes to decision-making and for following you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for, for that, Henry. Appreciate that. Dave as well. We are going to move forward into... Uh, where we want to be today in terms of our study. <clears throat> we are coming from uh, John chapter 14 and verse 3. We're just slowly uh, inching our way into the, uh, the chapter, taking our time, no rush. So in your notes, Hopefully you have in front of you there. It's John chapter 14 and verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Our growth in the mind of Christ requires that we draw doctrinal conclusions. God expects that we reason with him. And this is an important part of our spiritual growth. For sure, we are not to suspend our theological in intellect and simply use our emotions to fellowship with him. Our emotions cannot be trusted to reveal the Father's plan. The mind of Christ is where we find the gems for which we labor for hours in Bible study and seeking God. This fact remains uh, to be true. 
He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11.6 With humility and this spiritual intelligence, we can continue our journey to the fullness and stature of Christ. In humility, we must recognize that we do not know where we are going. We have never been there. So we must allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide. The future of us is breathtaking every day. Father, what will you teach me today? So just some thoughts as we get into this verse. And the reason I write these, just as an aside, is what does a glance at this verse, what does it mean to me? How do, how do I think about this? And usually I, I don't prepare this part of the uh, note uh, on, uh, in advance. I usually prepare this right at, at, at the moment, right? just before. So that meant I've already looked at this verse and a lot of the things that are in it in, in good detail. So it's more of a synopsis of some of the thoughts that probably will you will see in the notes. So without taking more of that time, let's get into what 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 are the notes. Right? So <coughs> we're going to look at the first phrase. And if I go and prepare a place for you. So the first thought, and if. So it could and should be understood to imply a strong assertion as opposed to uncertainty. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so in this case, if is equal to since. So you could just tr you could just really put since in the word because it is true. There's some conditions that the Greek word eon means or translated if so some of those conditions are if maybe it's true maybe it's not right or if it, it most certainly is true and i'm using if then as a strong argument right so as a logical um, conclusion like if i just said so the sky is definitely blue. And then the next verse I said, well, if the sky is blue, that means God appreciates color. I don't mean if it really is blue or if it really is red or if it is something else. No, I mean the sky is definitely blue. I made that in the first statement. And if so, well, I'm pivoting from that to draw a logical conclusion. So same here with Jesus. He says... I'm going there to, pre to prepare a place for you. If that were not so, would I have told you I am going there to prepare a place for you? Right. So then he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you. So and this and if is certainly a strong assertion. And he's pivoting on the point that he just made. That he's definitely going there to prepare a place for you or for us. I should say. So it's a strong assertion here. If and it's certainly true. 
Not maybe. Maybe it's true. Maybe it is, and maybe it isn't true. No, that, that's not what's actually uh, said here. It's if, and it's a strong assertion, or easily translated since. And since I go to prepare a place for you, in other words, I definitely am, then this is also true. And he will, we will get to more about what he adds to the phrase. All of this has huge meaning for us who are here on the ground and on the battlefield. So we should pay close attention here. Point B. The context demands that we understand that Christ is going away. But not going away forever. There is a purpose. This is part of the plan. And this is what we need to make sure we get, right? So if he says, I'm, if I, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me. Right? So these are things that he's going to reveal to us. So we ought to know that this is part of the Father's plan. Jesus is not saying, you know, I'm getting old. And this old body is certainly wearing out. And one day I'm going to be leaving here. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, I'm going to be going here. I'm, I'm, he's, he already has in mind death, burial, and resurrection. He already has that in place. He knows that he's going to go through those things. There's no question about it. And so as he contemplates that, he's saying to the disciples, he's, he's told them, he says, well, they focused on the part that he's going away. That's why they were so upset. He says, man, let me tell you, there's more to this. If this happens, this is part of this sequence of events that is, are about to happen. As we leave the upper room here, and we head down to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is the place where Judas has in mind that they come to pray often, and Judas is going to meet him there with the uh, temple guards, Christ knows about these things that are going to happen. A sequence of events that will happen. And so he's preparing them and he's unfolding it to them so that they are not upset. All these things are going to happen to me, but don't worry. This is part of the Father's plan. So he's not going away forever. That's another thought. He says, I, I'm going away. And if I go... And he will go. He's leaving. It will not be forever. There's a purpose to his going. Right? There's a plan. Point C. He's going to prepare a place. And as we said in the previous uh, verse, there are many rooms in the Father's house. But the place where he will reside does not, that where we will reside, does not exist. And that's the thought. Now, a couple of things we can, we can build from that point. Obviously, if he's going to prepare a place, this is the logic of it all. That place does not exist, right? We do, do not exist, and we're going to get into that. But that, that is the thought. So point one, if the place existed, there would be no need for preparation. Why would Christ need to go prepared if it's already done? It's already made. It's already 
a place there for us. No, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's So we, we have to know that that did not exist prior to Christ leaving the earth to go to prepare it. Point two, we did not exist. The church, the body of Christ, did not exist at the point Jesus was making this comment. And our place did not exist. So we, there was no no mention of us in the Old Testament, right? That we are the mystery. The mystery is not only, it's not Christ, because everybody knows who Christ is. That was prophesied from the first lamb that was slain, from Abel. The knowledge of Christ's coming was already there. And we can't say Christ is the mystery, or Christ was a mystery. No, he, otherwise no one could be saved in the Old Testament because it would have been a mystery. No, Christ's coming and his salvation work was already in place. What's the mystery then? That he would have a bride. And it's interesting when we think about Christ having a bride. Uh, where, uh, you know, we have those that language in Genesis... Thus shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, and so forth. That is taken, that language is taken and brought into the mystery to illustrate our relationship with Christ through the baptism of the Spirit. So when we have that language, and it's very, even though it's cryptic because... Uh, you know, when it talks about the joining of the man and the woman, <coughs> excuse me, it refers to Adam and how God put Adam to sleep and brought forth Eve. Adam had no idea that he was going to bring Eve about. And Christ never took, um, we never see any ro romantic relationships Christ had on earth. He never married he was single throughout his earthly years. And this is, this is where it's terrible. I know I'm digressing all over the place. But there is this gospel of, uh, of Mary where you know, supposedly Christ had some relationship with Mary and they had kids and this and that. It's false. Right? It's false writing. But just know every avenue of error has been fully... Uh, trotted out so that we must depend on what the Word of God actually says. We cannot go down that road where we say, yeah, well, there's writings over here that say this, and there's writings over there that say that. Let's put them all together, and then we have the truth. No, we don't. We only have the truth in the Word that is delivered to us, not all of what they call pseudepigrapha, false writings. So we must keep our mind focused on that. So we have a place now. This is point number uh, two. But we did not exist right, as a church. Remember, the church is part of the mystery. So point number three, we have a place now. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 1b. So we... That's clear who we happens to be, us and Christ, us 
who are in the church, the body of Christ, which did not exist in the Old Testament. Christ says, on this rock, I will build my church. So we did not exist. The place for us didn't exist. So it's appropriate that Christ is going to prepare that place. And then he will call out those many sons in the glory. Point four. The verse is further corroboration of the mystery. This verse here, that's when we see this. I know you're not reading into all of what we these points, but just see it. These points are there, right? It's, we're special. I'm going to prepare a place for you special people. A special place for special people. And then I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. So that special place is where Christ is. And, and we are obviously in him. We'll talk more about it as we go forward. Because... All of the language given to us is language of accommodation so that we can understand aspects of what he wants us to know, spiritually speaking, about things that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. So how can you express them? You've got to do it through words taught us by the Spirit. So here... This point number four is the corroboration, right? Why do we need to prove it? Well, because especially in the first generation of the church, there was tremendous opposition, opposition and antagonism to divergent thinking from Israel. Even though God testified to the new direction through signs, wonders, and various miracles given by the Holy Spirit. God signaled the change. People didn't pay attention and didn't care. They said, I, we like what we're doing. Therefore, we will continue what we're doing. Never mind the new way. We will cast aspersions. We will uh, talk about it. Uh, dis persecute those who try to go in the new way and all that. They even called it the way. So this was all part of the campaign to, tr to destroy the church, which couldn't happen. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So point D, we're moving forward in our outline here. Point D, the, from the context, recall this. Jesus consoles, confides, and builds confidence in the future of this small band of disciples. And I lifted this, uh, some of this, from the previous week where we talked about that, toward the end, where that's the purpose of this. I, I don't want to forget this, that these words are meant to be consoling, to build confidence. And who's he talking to? These, the small group of people who would be the foundation of the church, as we know, is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. So, no doubt that we should take some solace here. We should have confidence that when he tells us this, we should, we should put ourselves in here. Because, remember, we have that verse and those series of verses after in John 17, where he says, it's not just talking to them alone. 
but to those who will believe on me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may, may they also. So we are part of this. Definitely. This is us. He's, when he says he's coming back to get us, he, to get them, he's talking about get us. And we will hopefully look at that and demonstrate that later as well. So let's get into the next phrase. So if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. He's going to take us. So point A, for sure, Jesus says he will return. There's no doubt about it. As sure as the sun came up this morning, Jesus will definitely return. If we look at history as a uh, solid uh, pinpoint uh, or, or, or milestone in history to say something happened and it absolutely did and we know it because we were there, we saw it, we witnessed it. Well, sure enough, when Jesus says he will return, he will return. We could almost put that in the category of absolutely most confidently he will be back. Jesus is coming back. And do not doubt this point. And let's look at this whole thing in Acts chapter 111. We must turn there. And some of these verses you really do need to look at. Uh, not just think of it in terms of what it said, but just look at the words, right? I'm turning to Acts chapter 1. And verse 11. So this is the story of the ascension. And uh, it's quite interesting here. They So verse uh, 9, I'll just pick up the context. He says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. Now this is miraculous. Literally. Jesus spoke to them. He answered a question. A couple questions for them. And right after that, he had just finished eating with them. And after he gave them this instruction, it says, just, just as plain as one verse to the next, and he was taken up before their very eyes, not in secret. It was just, he just started to rise. But, the, his rising, uh, he, and I imagine, what are we talking about? Is it a spiritual something in their hearts or something here that is being mentioned? No. This is literal. They're sitting there. They just finished eating with this man. We're talking about our Lord Jesus. And he was on the Mount of Olives. And all of a sudden, he just was taken up and started to rise into the sky. What does it say about him? This is miraculous. Uh, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That's as they were watching, right? And this is verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And all this is literal. This is not like, and spiritually, in all of their hearts, he began to rise. No, this is, they were 
they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This is literally what happened. They were all, this man was eating. What, what would have been what you were thinking as you were just finished eating? Had you any idea that this man was going to lift up and take off and so high? And you're seeing him get smaller and smaller. And next thing you know, He's beyond the clouds. You can't even see him anymore. So you just keep looking like, I know this man was right here with me. But now he's, he, he's literally in the clouds. It's hard to... But that's what happened. That's what, that's what it says. So it says here, these men who stood there, he says, why do you stand here looking into the sky? In other words... None of them. It didn't say they said anything. They didn't say, wow. They were probably just, they had no words for this. And when Jesus said he was going away, he did not mean when he was about to die. This is what he meant. Because some people would have said, yeah, when he said he's going away, he's just talking about death, burial, and resurrection. But as I said, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about death, burial, and resurrection. He was talking through that. He already was considering that he was going through the death, burial, and resurrection because he came back to him after death, burial, and resurrection. And he was sitting there eating with them, answering their questions just like he always did. But then, just like he, he said, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is where he goes. This is what happens. He literally just lifts up and begins to ascend into the atmosphere. And, and so they're just standing there. I can't imagine. I don't know how long they stood there, but this man comes, two men comes to them. This is what they say. Why are you standing here looking into the sky? I imagine their attention averted to these men. And they said, this same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Literally. He will come back. In the same way. In the same manner. As you have seen him go into heaven. Right? So all the theories of... Oh, a lot of people said Christ was coming back. I can tell you the Seventh Day Adventists had a theory that Christ was coming back. And then they said, well, well, he wasn't coming back, but he was coming to cleanse the sanctuary. Well, uh, he was coming, you know, all these different things. This verse says clear what Jesus, how he would come, exactly what happened. That's what it means, he's coming back. And there were others who said, yeah, Christ is coming. But then they said, oh, well, it was a spiritual coming. That's what that meant. No, no, that's not what it meant. It was literal here. So if you knew, thought you knew the day or the hour, you were wrong. You, you didn't listen to what the scripture said, where it says no man knows the day nor hour. For sure, he's coming back in this manner. He's coming back out of the sky. 
So point B, let's move forward. Don't doubt it. Christ said it, and he emphasized, well, if <laughs> think about it. Put doctrinal conclusions to this. If I told you this, would I, would I have told you this if it wasn't true? And if I go, then there's a reason. There's a purpose in this. I go to prepare a place for you. So point B in our notes. The second coming of Christ is detailed for us in Scripture. But this coming, for us, is different. He is coming for those for whom he prepared the place. That's literally what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back in the second coming and I'll come to the earth and I'll set up my kingdom and I'll... None of that is listed. In fact, what he says is, I'm going to come back, I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. You will be with me. Where I, I'm going to take you. That means I'm not going to come back and take you and put you on earth. I'm going to take you from the earth to heaven. We'll get more to that. Okay, so this is more corroboration of the mystery. This place didn't exist. We didn't exist. God tells us what our destiny would be. Point C. The coming to get us is directly related to the place prepared for us. As that's the point that I, I, I was trying to make, that we shouldn't just say uh, that that prepared place is for, for what? It's for us. <laughs> Not just for nothing, it's for us. So then once his, he prepares that place, then at, when he's done, he's going to come and get us so that we will be one that he will receive us unto himself. Uh, that's the blessed hope. So some detail of his coming. So before we get into detail, we must also recognize that the second coming is not the same as this coming. The second coming comes with great, all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and, and, and he shall fight against the enemies that are there marshaled against him and he shall grab Satan and throw him into the abyss and he will set up his kingdom and the sheep from the goats. And oh, there's a lot of uh, prophecy dealing with the second coming on that foot. On that day, his foot will touch the Mount of Olives and he will this and that. Right. All of those things are about the second coming. But this language interesting is about Jesus and this special place that he's prepared and this special people who will occupy that place. Where's the place? Heaven. We'll get to that more. But just to note before, this is another digression, sorry. But in Acts chapter 1, so when the disciples were there and they saw him ascend into, the he into heaven from the Mount of Olives, Right. And then, verse 12, then, after they got the word, why are you standing around here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, he's coming back, just like he said, right? He's, he's going to come back to you. In the same way you have seen him go, literally, into heaven. Then the apostles, verse 12, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Now, this Part of it 
when I went to Jerusalem, we stood on the Mount of Olives, and we stood right there where Jesus said, uh, when he ascended, we went right to the spot where they say, this is the place on the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended. Of course, they built a church there now. But, but to note, we were there. And then they say it was a Sabbath day's walk from the city. So we took that walk. We walked from the Mount of Olives right to the place where he was speaking of. It was really interesting as we took the walk, and it was a, said to be a Sabbath day's walk. In other words, how much you were able to travel in, on the Sabbath, right? This is how they measured that distance. Interesting. Anyway, <coughs> I told you it was an aside here. Back to the notes. Uh, so, some detail... Of his coming. Let's look at some of the things that are here. Uh, the first scripture is in Titus 2.13. While we wait for the blessed hope. And what is the blessed hope? First of all, blessed means God has arranged this. This is part of his plan. He agrees with this. This is his will. Hope is the absolute confidence that we have. This is not like, I hope he will come. I don't know if he will, but I hope he will. No, hope means absolute confidence here. We wait for the blessed hope, the glorious or the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, so the disciples, uh, Paul and others, even though Paul wasn't there, but he had the blessed hope and, they, and what were they doing? They were waiting for Christ to come back, just like he said he would. Obviously, he didn't come back at that time. So guess what we're doing today? The same thing, waiting for that blessed hope. Right? We know he's coming. We just don't know when. Obviously, they didn't either. But we are waiting for that blessed hope. And What is it? What is the blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the blessed hope is. And that's going to happen. That's the rapture, as what uh, is termed, where he's going to come and take us to be with him where he is. Point number two. Uh, this scripture comes from Romans eight nineteen. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Right? So, the world doesn't know who we are. And this is actually a, a just to note the difference between, you know, the world and us. Creation, right? There's something about creation that matches who we are so that the creation and the creator have an affinity. We are joined to the creator of all things. That's why the creation is waiting in eager expectation. Right? And then, point three, not only so. This comes from Romans 8.23. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. What is it? What is that? The redemption of our bodies. That's the resurrection of the church. And what does that mean? Point four, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, 
but we will all be changed. So even whether you sleep or not, you're going to be changed. Not all of us will sleep. Sleep means death, physical death. But we will, one thing's true of those who are sleeping and those who are not sleeping is we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So this is where we get our resurrection bodies, right? This is where he says, not only so, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit grow in... What's the first fruits of the Spirit? Pentecost. Those of us who have that are the ones who will be changed in a moment. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. He's talking about a specific group of people here. Point five. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And we and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. First Thessalonians four fourteen. In him is what's important. That is in Christ. Right? It's not, you couldn't be in, how do you get to be in him? First uh, Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body. That is Christ. In, that's how you get to be in. When did that happen? Pentecost, right? That's when God said, just wait here. The spirit will come. And all these things will happen. Teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. All the things that we have already anticipated from Jesus' pronouncements of that event. And what we just saw here depicted in Romans 8. So, point six. According to the Lord's word. Where do we get this word from? It's literally penned for us in the book of John. He says, I will return. Jesus says, I will come back and take you to be with me. Literally, Jesus says, I'm coming back and I'm going to... And, and what, do we, what do we know about his coming back? For sure, it is the same way as you have seen him go, he will come back. But he won't come back to set up his kingdom, he will come back to take us. That's the goal. Take us where? To be with him. Where he is. In heaven. <laughs> Just putting these things together in our minds. So, Lord, so it says, the Lord himself, according to the Lord's word, we tell you, this is point six, that we who are still alive, who are left unto, until the coming of the Lord, coming of the Lord, according to the Lord's own word, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, not some spiritual rendition or creation or, you know, some spiritual thing that comes over us. No, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. 
and the dead of all ages? No, the dead in Christ. We know in Christ it is a new designation that had just begun under the mystery age. The dead in Christ. Now, if anyone is in Christ, what about they're a new creation? So the dead in Christ arise first. After that, we who are in Christ and alive, he didn't have to say in Christ, but after that, we who are in Christ and still alive and are left will be caught up together with them, the dead and the living, just like we saw in the First Corinthians passage, right? To meet the Lord in the air. So he didn't come back, touch the earth, and hang around, start eating again with us and fellowship. No, he does not touch. He meets us where? In the air. And where does he come? He comes to the earth, the atmosphere of the earth. He meets us in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Where does he do after we get to the air? We already know. He says, I'm coming back. And take you to be with me. So that you will also be where I am. That's the point. So notice the last phrase of this. It is the same type of phrase that we have in, first, in, in John 14. Therefore, encourage one another. With these words. This is First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. Take some time. Read it. There's much more in here than I'm bringing out at this point. So point E. Feel free to draw doctrinal conclusions. And that's how you, you want to read the scriptures. <clears throat> doctrine upon doctrine. Building greater, deeper conclusions. More conclusions, more connections. How does the, how do we do that? Through the help of the Holy Spirit, who enlightens us to the path. Feel free. There's plenty of doctrinal conclusions to be made here. Hopefully, I'm pointing some out, but that doesn't mean there. Are, that's everything. Point number three, and we're closing in. What time is it? Oh, we got a good time. Number three, so the whole verse again says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So this last phrase, that you also may be where I am. So first point is Jesus Christ will return to take us, literally, take, remove us from this earth to be with him. And the logical result of the consoling context, right, is that we will be where, that, that we will be where I am in the place prepared for us. That, it's just a logical assumption. You could say, well, some people say, well, we don't know if we're going to heaven. Well, the verse is very clear about us. Christ is coming back to take us to be with him where he is. Where, where is he? 
Christ is in, in heaven. We, nobody believes that Christ is not in heaven. Everybody believes that Christ, when he ascended, he ascended to heaven. When he said he was, where he said he was going was his father's house, house, and he's going there to prepare a place for us. And if he go, if he come, if he says, I'm going to come back to receive you, to, to take you so that you will be with me where I am already. Where is he? He's in the father's house preparing that special place for us. So let's just see the logic of this, or I say, let's rehearse. One, where is Jesus going? His father's house. Two, and where exactly is that? And there's a quote. We have a building from God. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, what do you mean prepare? I'm going, there's a building here. We have it, and it's an eternal house in heaven. Not built by human hands. Obviously, he's talking about that special place. It's a different way to say it. But he's talking about the same place. That's the where of it. That's the where we belong. That's home for us. Eternal house in heaven. Eternal means it's not temporary. It's permanent. In fact, this is where we belong. And I say yes. And uh, quote, In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. When you think about this phrase and why it all fits together, eternal house in heaven. This is where Jesus said he was coming to take us. Yes. And what, so what is it really like from another perspective? It is, we know God is calling those many sons into glory. That's what's going on in this dispensation, right? which is hidden, this mystery dispensation. He says uh, in Ephesians 3 and verse 2, he says, Surely you have heard about uh, the revelation given me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, right? and which was not made known to men in other ages and so forth and so on. Surely you have heard. And the, the, the dispensation that is hidden is the dispensation we are now in. What's going on in this dispensation? God is calling out many sons into glory. So Christ went to heaven, says to prepare a place for you. Well, we're going to be identified with Christ when, when you know we do through the baptism of spirit. We are. And this means his destiny is ours. This is where he belongs. This is where we belong. We are one with him. We are united to him. We are his body, uh, the fullness of him. We've talked about all these different things in the past. So the where, and we could say where exactly is it? It's this building that God is creating. What is it? The Ephesians passage tell us it's a temple. We become a holy temple. And in him, you too are being, noticed built together. So Christ is the place. And God the Father is calling many sons into glory. How does he do it? Through the baptism of the Spirit in this age. 
He's calling those many sons. And they are going to build up Christ. We are part of who he is. We, he is forming his body. That, that's Ephesians chapter 2 passage. It's definitely part of how you want to see the fullness of this. And one, there's one way to say it. Well, we could say, well, Jesus says, I'm, I'm preparing a special place for you. I will go. I will come back. I will receive to myself that where I am, there you will also be with me. And so forth. We could say all that. That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is given to us here in Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. We get to see what he's building. And it, and it uses the same language. Prepare, building, same thing. And it's ongoing in Ephesians 2. And this is what God is doing. So it is said another way. Hopefully we understand it better. What God is doing. By saying it a different way. Not, hey, but it says this in this verse. And, and in this verse it says that. Let's fight you know, between the two verses. No, it, they both complement each other. So that we understand what he's going to do even better. So I know our time is, is running, so I'll just go to point C. Let's discuss this more, please. Point C. So we will be with the Lord forever. And that is our glorious destiny. We are one with him, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, joined to him, united with him, baptized into Christ, his body, the fullness of him, a new creation. These are all terms about the uniqueness of what we have with Christ. No creature anywhere in history ever has had not only the access to the Father, the proximity to the Father, the closeness, the unity, that, that they may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. No. No closer. No way that any creature or any body could have such closeness that has been promised to us. So, glorious future that we have. Jesus, I mean, you would imagine that the disciples certainly were consoled. But what were they consoled with? Oh, just, everything's going to be okay. Just, just have some peace. No, you know what they were consoled with? The Word of God. That is our strength. God has already told us these things, and the Holy Spirit enlightens us to the reality of them as we live on the battlefield in this world. So take your time with these verses. Let Jesus speak directly to you. Own these words. Own these truths and let them become a part of your foundation that you stand on. Let's bow our heads as we close. We'll continue next week. Thank you, Father, for the glorious destiny that you planned for us from eternity past. As we begin to recognize your plan and how it involves us, our hearts are overflowing with gratitude and appreciation for not only the mastery of your plan, but 
the grace, the, the, the goodness, the, the intricate way of working that has brought us into this place. We thank you. We thank you for those who are on this call and we pray for wisdom as we continue to seek these things out with all the motivation that the Holy Spirit provides. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.